0: As I mentioned, uh, we're going to be concentrating, exploring this topic of sacrificial blood for a few weeks here. I want you to turn to First Peter, First <clears throat> Peter chapter one, verses eighteen through twenty. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Amen. We're going to begin a series here this morning simply titled The Significance of the Blood. The Significance of the Blood. Father, we do plead the precious blood of Jesus over body, soul, and spirit of every soul, Lord, in this gathering, Father God. And we do thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus, for this covenant And, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that we would have ears to hear, that you would illuminate our spirit, that Jesus Christ and him crucified would be lifted up and magnified in our midst, that we could be thankful, that we could be worshipful, that we could be grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus. We pray, Lord God, that you would draw us unto yourself. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we mentioned last week, the gospel uh, means very, very little apart from the blood. So this great and bountiful covenant, this covenant of salvation whereby you and I have been redeemed, we enjoy this covenant. We stand on bloodstained ground. Amen. The bloodstained ground of the precious blood of Jesus Christ and the significance of the blood Can that significance be overstated? I think not, amen. As I dare say, it is both foundational and pivotal. For without the blood, we have nowhere to stand. And yet it is the crowning jewel of gospel truth. Indeed, this vital consideration, the significance of the blood, brings us to the axis and the great operation of divine revelation. Yea, to the center of the vast circumference of heavenly redemption and to the very heart of the throbbing purpose of divine reconciliation. Too often we allow ourselves far too casual a view of the blood. We've become familiar. We've sung about it so many times, we've talked about it. Amen. We're too comfortable with the concept of sacrificial blood. Oh, yes. Amen. I know Jesus suffered and died for me. Hence, the blood of Christ then becomes common. It loses its significance. So in this series of messages, we want to revisit this vital doctrine and hopefully reestablish an appreciation for the blood of Jesus shed for you and I. This morning, we look at the fact that the atoning blood of Jesus lies at the very heart And the very soul of scriptural truth. Biblical revelation is a crimson revelation. Forever reddened with the atoning blood of Christ. Either symbolically, prophetically or specifically. From the very beginning God establishes the institution of blood sacrifice. And so we're going to look this morning in the book of Genesis. The book of beginnings and we're going to see the origins of blood and sacrificial atonement. We know that three men, Adam, Noah, and Abraham, they step on the pages of inspired history in the book of Genesis. These men are, in a sense, representative men, or federal heads of their own particular types, if you will. Adam is the father of the race. Noah is the father of the new world. And Abraham is the father of the faithful, or those who would walk by faith. Moreover, each of, this, each of these historical men marked a pati- particular epic in s- sacred history. Each received a particular promise, and each was favored with a p- particular sign. So in each life, we're going to see that sacrificial blood is what underlined the covenants, the signs, amen, these particular promises to these three men. And the blood is significant here. So first of all, we see the life of Adam, or I bring your attention to his life. It says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 45, and so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul, Now we know that Adam fell, amen, and the fall was the great epic in Adam's life. And the promise given immediately after the fall, we find in Genesis 3 and 15, was the primary covenant offered to Adam, namely, and God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So this promise has rightly been referred to as the first gospel or the first time the gospel is alluded to in the scriptures. And the bruising spoken of here necessitates bleeding. And so the promise of the Redeemer's shed blood lies at the very heart of this first gospel mentioned here, In the Bible. So so from the very beginning, the first man and woman, God was establishing uh, the significance of atoning blood. This was pressed upon their conscience immediately. And we see this, uh, the moving of God's spirit, amen, God's word, amen, God's uh, dealing with men and his people. We see this throughout the Bible, the significance of of atoning or sacrificial blood. The sign to Adam was the cherubim with flaming sword beyond which lay the tree of life. Cherubims are related to the mercy seat, while the flaming sword symbolizes the justice of God. And both of these in Adam's sign stood before the tree of life. Thus, from the very beginning, we have a profound theological statement communicated Via typology, the great anticipated meeting of divine justice and heavenly mercy in the bloodstream flowing from the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. To approach the tree of life meant death from the flaming sword, which kept the way, as the Bible said. Yet that flaming sword was symbolically plunged into the bosom of Christ at his crucifixion, for you and I, and its flames eternally quenched by the precious blood for all who believe. You ought to slip up your hand and thank Jesus, amen, for that blood that has cleansed you from all iniquity. Through his death, Christ has opened the way for all who will repent, who will believe the gospel, who will abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. Adam's sign has an eternal manifestation. In the actual heavens, the cherubims cover the mercy seat, the symbols of the Mosaic tabernacle. In Hebrews 9 and 24, it reads, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. He is our mediator, amen? He maketh, he ever liveth to maketh intercession. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, for your sacrifice. Thank God for the blood covenant that we have through the gospel. Amen. And the tree of life, amen, in this eternal setting is free to all. In heaven, as in the tabernacles, holiest of all, there's no flaming sword because the mercy seed is sprinkled by the blood. Now, we know that flaming sword is everywhere else, Amen. It's only under the blood. It's only in Christ. Amen. Revelations 22, 2 through 3, in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life which bare 12 manners of fruits and yielded her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations and there shall be no more curse. Amen. So in heaven, amen, that tree of life, is free to all who have qualified to enter to enter into those gates. So we see here in Adam's life, uh, the epic, the fall, the sign, the promise. We see the importance or the significance of redeeming or atoning blood, and we dare not forget that significance. What about the life of Noah? It reads in Genesis six eight through nine. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. We know the flood, of course, that was the great epic in Noah's life. And immediately after the flood, God entered entered into a covenant of preservation with Noah. And the covenant's recorded here in Genesis chapter 9, verses 9 and 11. And it reads, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you and with every living creature that is with you of the fowl of the cattle, of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth, and I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. In the final verses, though, of the previous chapter, the reason for the covenant is given, and that's found in Genesis 8, verses 20 through 22. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled a sweet savor, And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore, for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease." Notice, though, sacrificial bloodshed, amen, prefaced and ratified this covenant of blessing. Moreover, we see here that it was the altar of sacrifice alone that averted further judgment. In other words, the covenant was a blood covenant, amen. So this bloodstream of Noah's altar was but a type of the great bloodstream that flows from the Lamb of God, who would be sacrificed on Calvary for you and I. The sanctity of the blood is also emphasized to Noah and his family. We find that in Genesis chapter 9, verses 4 through 6. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, will I require it, and in the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. So take note here, God's distinct command concerning the sacredness of blood, amen, is repeated to all generations and every people of every age. Amen. Remember, and this is a, a scriptural or a theological truth, all people of all ages can be summed up under three biblical classifications. They're either without the law, as it says in Romans 2 and 12. They're either under the law, John 1 and 17, Romans 3 and 19, or they are under grace, Romans 6 and 14. So to Noah, amen the representative of those without law, this is before the law, God commanded not to eat blood, as we read here in Genesis nine and four. To Moses, the representative under the law, God commanded in Leviticus seven, twenty six through twenty seven, moreover, ye shall not ye shall eat no manner of blood, whether it be of fowl or of beast in any of your dwellings. "'Whatsoever soul it be, that eateth any manner of blood, "'even that soul shall be cut off from his people. "'And to the apostles, amen, representative of, of those under grace, "'God commanded, of course, in Acts 15, 28 through 29, "'For it seemeth good to the Holy Ghost "'and to us to lay upon you no greater burden "'than these necessary things.'" that she abstained from meats offered to idols and from blood. Amen. So this was an unalterable law given by the immutable God. Amen. Men were not to partake of blood without law, under the law, under grace. Amen. And the reason is the life of the flesh is in the blood. There is great significance in the blood. That life in man, which was a result of God breathing, he breathed life into the nostrils of man, amen. That life is divine, and that life is sacred. That life is not created. That's an extension of God. Does everyone understand that? And so life is in the blood, and the blood is sacred. There's a significance, and so no one is to eat, Amen. Blood, and under any age, under uh, law, under grace, or without law, God in His infinite wisdom chose that animal blood should be used in sacrifice until the coming of the great sacrifice for sin. Of course, Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God, its only divinely permitted use was as a sacrificial offering. Any other use was to violate the direct command of God. And in essence, such a violation sacrilegiously destroyed it as a type of the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Do you see? In other words, blood was to be handled uh, and viewed sacredly, even animal blood. It could righteously or legally be used, amen, in, in sacrifice, but that's the only way that it could be used. The sign to Noah, amen, was the rainbow in the cloud. Read of that in Genesis nine, twelve through 16. God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. Amen. Aren't you glad to see that rainbow in the cloud? Hallelujah. So we have in Noah's sign a parallel to Adam's, and both mercy and justice symbolically intermingle. The colors of the rainbow are seven. Amen. The three upper colors are red, orange, and yellow. They can readily be seen in almost any fire. Amen. The lower colors are blue, purple, and indigo. Amen. These are royal and heavenly colors. The central color is green, which is brought about by the intermingling of the blue and the yellow. And so the symbolism is plain. The fiery colors, red, orange, and yellow, typify God's justice. And the heavenly colors, blue, purple, and indigo, Amen, typify God's mercy. Green resulting from the intermingling of the justice colors and the mercy colors symbolizes salvation accomplished when mercy and truth, amen, are met together and righteousness and peace have kissed each other, as it says in Psalms 85 and 10. All this can be traced back to the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally here this morning, the life of Abraham. So the call was the great epic in Abraham's life, Genesis 12 and 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. So the call was accompanied by a covenant of faith. And this covenant is stamped, amen, with perfection's number, the same number, seven, amen. And its promises, amen, that God mentioned to Abraham or gave to Abraham is sevenfold. Namely, I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great. Thou shall be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee. And I will curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Amen. Seven promises in that covenant of faith that God made with Abraham. The promise to Abraham was the promise of a glorious seed. But before Isaac was begotten, God gave Abraham a sign. And the sign that God gave Abraham was the changing. Of his name, We find that in Genesis 17, 4 through 5. Amen. As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations, God said to him. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. But notice the token of the covenant involved the shedding of blood. Genesis 17 and 11. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. It shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. Again, this sign is paralleled to those that we read about in Adam and in Noah. The change of the name is an evidence of the grace of God while circumcision was a type of the justice of God. The two come together in the aftermath of bloodshed, which, of course, is typical of the new covenant ratified by the precious blood of Jesus. Hence, Abraham, the father of the faith, he who believed God, his experience, was saturated with sacrificial blood. The very circumcision, the covenant of circumcision, Amen, that that covenant with Abraham was a blood covenant. Thus we dare not overlook the significance of sacrificial blood as it's always central to biblical theology. The emphasis on the blood is carried out all through the scriptures. Amen, in every book we see this. Amen, that emphasis or the significance of atoning blood. Each book unfolds a little more of what Genesis first records. And finally, the book of Revelation finalizes all that has gone before. Remember Moses, amen, who represents the law. He never set one foot in the promised land, amen. He is typical of the law. The law is good. The law is necessary, amen. The law comes before, but it cannot take us into the fullness of God, amen. It cannot take us to the place where every promise in him is yea and amen. That demands, amen, Jesus or grace. It was Joshua who was a type of Christ who crossed the Jordan, amen. And so it's only in faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and by shed blood that we can enter in Amen. And we shouldn't keep our eyes on any giants, but keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is, amen, the perfecter and finisher of our faith. So as we close here, amen, there's an old poem that expresses the glory of this truth. When the atonement story first began, a lamb was sacrificed for every man. And then when Israel was in Pharaoh's land, this sacrifice could for a household stand. Later, a lamb at the atonement feast was offered for the nation by the priest. But last on Calvary's hill, the lamb of God shed for a sinning world his precious blood. A lamb before the world's foundation slain, and in the farthest future just the same. For in the revelation we are shown a lamb that had been slain amidst the throne. A lamb, the pivot of earth's history, God's great impenetrable mystery. Thou hast redeemed us by thy precious blood and made us kings and priests unto our God. Worthy is the lamb that once was slain. Will be our theme of praise throughout eternity. Amen. Would you stand with me here this morning? We're just laying the foundation and appreciation for sacrificial blood, wetting our appetite. Amen. You ought to just slip up your hands here this morning and thank him for the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just love him. There's power. There's healing power. the blood of our mind. We plead the blood of our we plead the blood of our marriages, our families. Over the blood of Jesus we One more time. clock tonight. We come back ready to pray, ready to seek the Lord. Amen. God bless you. Hook someone as you go. We will see you, Lord willing, this evening. Amen.